Tom Brady doesn't know Portuguese. I, I've learned something new today. <laughs> he doesn't know Portuguese. His eight-year-old daughter does. Shireen, are you bilingual, trilingual, quadrilingual? I wish I was, Mike, but I can't say that I am. I'm not that smart. I <laughs> took three years of Spanish in high school. And depending upon the amount of alcohol I've consumed on a given evening, I can be very fluent in it. It may make no sense whatsoever, but I can be very fluent. Uh, the, just the memories come back of flashes and words, and uh, it's, it's usually not very good when it happens. But I think it is. It sounds good to me at the time. All right, what sounds good to me is a full hour of PFTPM. We've got three guests from interviews that were taped earlier in the day. Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith. We've got Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks. And in between the two, we've got Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers running back, who is trying to come back from a season that was derailed by a couple of injuries. Before we get to that, though, the news. And there's always news. Even when we get to kind of this dead spot in Super Bowl week where we're waiting for something to happen and it seems like nothing ever really wants to happen, things are still happening, Shireen, with the game only four days away. And I think one significant development, Antonio Brown, limited in practice, a good sign that he'll be able to play. They don't need him, but man, if they have him, that's a much better offense given the way that he performed down the stretch. Yeah, no question, Mike. And he leads the team in targets when he's played. Obviously, he played eight regular season games in the first two postseason games and then missed the NFC Championship game. But he can be a factor in this game. The last time he was in the Super Bowl was his rookie season. He had one catch for one yard. I listened to his entire press conference today. He was noncommittal on whether he'd be able to play or not. But I would expect him to be out there if he can go at all. And considering he was limited today in practice, Mike, I think he will be able to go. You know, I also saw some tweets in which uh, he was characterized as painting himself as a victim for the challenges he's faced. He, he's not the victim. He now, now look. Are there other issues that have caused him to engage in certain antisocial behaviors over the past couple of years? I'm willing to grant him that possibility. I'm willing to say that he hasn't consciously and deliberately been a jerk that he consciously and deliberately hasn't been someone who did things that have gotten him in trouble. But still, he's responsible ultimately and fundamentally for the adversity that he's faced. This isn't something that someone else unfairly threw upon him. Again, it may be the product of some condition that requires treatment evaluation, but it's no one else's fault other than his. So that bothers me, and I think a lot of people are bothered by that. And I have no problem with a redemption story. But I don't think you qualify for redemption, Shireen, if you never acknowledge that at some level you're responsible for what's happened and therefore qualify for redemption. You don't qualify for redemption until you acknowledge that you need to be redeemed. And I think all these redemption stories that we're reading and hearing about, Mike, I do think we have to remember that. He's not the victim here, definitely not. And I'll give him this. He's done everything, presumably, and he talked about this in his interview today, the right way since he's come to Tampa. So I hope he's gotten the help he needed, as he says he has, and that things have turned around in his life. I do hope that. I hope that for any player. I don't care if I like the player or don't like the player. I hope any player that wants to turn his life around, that's the most important thing. So I hope he's done that. But let's all remember, Mike, he is not the victim here.
Now, all of the injured Buccaneers practiced with the exception of Jason Pierre-Paul, who has a knee injury. Other guys who are who are questionable, not officially yet. We won't find out till Friday, but at least unofficially questionable for now. You've got Levante David with the hamstring injury. There is the ankle problem for Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jordan Whitehead, the shoulder injury he suffered in the NFC Championship, but all practiced on a limited basis except JPP. For the Chiefs, everyone except Eric Fisher, who has a ruptured Achilles tendon, and Willie Gay, who I think whatever happened to him, I can't remember what it was, Shereen, but I think he's out already. I don't think he's going to play, but all of the other Chiefs practiced. Yeah, that's right, Mike. And so both teams are pretty much going to be at full strength aside. You know, we've talked a lot about that Chiefs offensive line and they're going to move the parts around. Mike Reimers obviously will start at left tackle and they won't have Eric Fisher. They won't have Mitchell Schwartz. So that offensive line is going to look a little bit different. But for the most part, for the players we expect to have, I think we're going to see those players on the field on Sunday. Important for the Bucs, as we've said repeatedly, to have those two starting safeties out there because they do make a difference. Yeah, absolutely, and that Chiefs receiving core is going to test the defense, especially on the back end, repeatedly. And if it's anything like it was in Week 12, they they better be ready to go, and they better not single cover Tyreek Hill because he had – I think he was on pace for 1,000 yards for the entire game halfway through the first quarter. Tony Romo exaggerated that, or at least he thought he did. Peter King did the math. It was like 998 that Tyreek Hill was on pace for. All right, let's shift gears to a couple of other teams who are making some news on this third day of February. The Washington football team, are they in the market for a quarterback? Here is the new VP – of football operations with Washington, Marty Herney, the former Panthers GM, and also new Washington GM, Martin Mayhew, talking about the team's quarterback position. We certainly uh, plan to look at that position very, uh, very, very thoroughly and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Martin. You know, we were here basically two days, and then we went down and spent the whole week at the Senior Bowl. So we're still getting our feet on the ground, but um, obviously we're evaluating, you know, all areas. But extremely impressed with the way um, Alex Smith played last year, the way Taylor Heineke, he came in in the playoff game. Um, and uh, we just got to go through the process. We uh, have a lot of work to do, and we're just right now getting getting comfortable with, you know, the entire roster. The most important thing, I think, is to have somebody that's going to come in and, and be able to lead the team and win games for you. I don't know that there is a line. You know, I think you you want to be uh, you want to be smart, but you want to be aggressive in that process, and uh, that's that's kind of what what our plan is right now. I agree. You want to be aggressive, but you do not want to mortgage the future. And and again, this is a team game. I mean, as important as that quarterback position is, you have to have people around them. You have to have an offensive line to protect them. You have to have skilled players. I don't quite understand the structure of the front office in Washington. It's almost like their TV show co-host, Shireen. They've got perfect rhythm and and uh, symbiosis, and uh, they finish each other's thoughts. And you know, maybe they should have a show on Peacock. <laughs> maybe they should, Mike, but it certainly looks like that Ron Rivera is in charge in Washington is going to take over this team. And, you know, he was effusive in his praise of Alex Smith all season and immediately after the season – Not so much today. We didn't hear from Ron Rivera there, but he did speak today. 
And he was kind of lukewarm on, on Alex Smith. We know they made an aggressive offer for Matthew Stafford. They wanted in on that. And now they've got to look forward and figure out who their quarterback for 2021 is. And Ron Rivera said today he doesn't know who that quarterback of the future is. And, of course, we're all linking Cam Newton kind of to them because of his history with Ron Rivera in Carolina. But, Mike, I'm not so sure that Cam Newton has a whole lot left, judging on what I saw this season. And just because Cam Newton and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera were together for an extended period of time in Carolina, that doesn't mean all of them want a reunion. You know, we we look for these ways to connect dots and say, well, they were together here, they were together. There's a chance they don't like each other. I'm not saying for these three, but I'm just saying we have to factor in that maybe moving on has allowed them to say that part of my career is over and now we go in a different direction. We're going to head in a different direction here. And let me give you the background. I saw this clip early this morning from the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman with John Gruden, the Raiders coach, the guest. I saw the clip and I thought, you know what? I got enough to worry about today. I got enough to deal with. I got enough people mad at me because we made an issue out of the comments that were made by Devin White earlier this week about the, the roots of a potential bounty program in Tampa Bay, something that could grow into that in the future if they're not careful. I don't need Twitter harassing me any more than it already does. I, I can't say I'm blameless. I don't want to be like Antonio Brown. I kind of I kind of troll Twitter, and I, I know what I'm going to get in response. But I just decided I don't want it. I can't do it. And then I started hearing from executives with other teams who saw the same clip I did, and they're like, how can you not write about this? This is a classic case of a blatant violation of the rules. Here is the exchange between Collinsworth, Richard Sherman, and John Gruden from the latest edition of the Chris Collinsworth podcast. That's fine. I've been punished very, very harshly. But uh, Richard (laughs) Sherman, uh, if you are a free agent, which there is a rumor you are, uh, we are looking for an alpha presence in our secondary, somebody that can play this hawk three press technique with the read step. Uh, if you're available and interested, maybe you and I can get together at some point off air. Yeah, that, there's a conversation to be had for sure. Um, you know, I am, I am free and available these days, um, fortunately and unfortunately. Now, we didn't play the part where Chris basically fires the warning shot in a jovial way to John Gruden to keep him from getting himself into trouble. And when Sims and I are interviewing guys, and I've kind of had to reel Sims in at times because he'll he'll ask guys about players under contract with other teams, and he's learned. He's learned. You, You can't do it, and we don't want to set a trap for someone. And Chris went out of his way to clear the trap off of the path, and Gruden ran into the brush and jumped in the trap with both feet. This is as blatant an example of tampering as I've ever seen because Richard Sherman is not a free agent. He is not available. He remains exclusively in the employment of the San Francisco 49ers until March 17 at 4.01 p.m. Eastern, period. And even though it seemed like it was lighthearted and joking, it is still a classic textbook-defined violation, Shireen, of the tampering rule. If the NFL didn't do anything about this, they should just rip up the rule and throw it away. 
And there's no question about that, Mike. And again, we link players, right? You're already linking Richard Sherman to Las Vegas because of his relationship with Gus Bradley. So he's already been linked there, and it is blatant. And, you know, this is another example of the Raiders and John Gruden just basically laughing in the face of the NFL and its rule book. I mean, they're already appealing that six-round pick they lost coming up for this spring because of the continued violations of the coronavirus protocols. We saw it again and again and again repeatedly during the season. We saw John Gruden get fined during the season for that. So this is just another example, Mike, of of the Raiders kind of just throwing the rule book into the NFL's face and saying, we're going to do whatever we want to do. So they do need to be penalized for this. Otherwise, just let everybody talk about every player on another team at all times. Yeah, and look, every time I raise this issue, I will have the pushback from those who will say, I'm being the hall monitor. Why are you snitching? Look, there are rules. They either have meaning or they don't. If they don't have meaning, if they're not going to be applied, get rid of them. And Chiefs fans may remember that there was an occasion five or six years ago where Andy Reid spoke to Jeremy Macklin, who had become a free agent or was about to become a free agent with the Eagles during the window where it was permissible to speak to the agent, but not directly to the player. Andy Reid spoke directly to the player and the Chiefs got hammered for it. They appealed. The penalty was reduced a little bit, but I still think they lost a third round pick over it. So if you're going to hit the Chiefs, for Andy Reid having a conversation directly with a player that he drafted and he had extensive conversations with in Philadelphia on the eve of free agency, how can you look the other way when John Gruden is blatantly violating, disregarding, and ignoring the tampering rules on the record in a public conversation, Shireen? How can you can't reconcile the two? Yeah, you, you can't ignore it, Mike. If you're the NFL, you just absolutely can. It just opens the Pandora's box if you do ignore it. So I think they need to lose a draft pick at minimum here, maybe some cash too on the side. Whatever the penalty is that the NFL wants to enforce, they need to enforce it. And it doesn't matter if the 49ers have no intent in bringing back Richard Sherman. It doesn't matter if Sherman has no intent in rejoining the 49ers. It doesn't matter if the 49ers don't even make a complaint with the league. It is hiding in plain sight. The league doesn't like to flag for the rest of us, hey, there's a cheater over here. Hey, there's a cheater over there. Sometimes the league is forced to act when something this blatant happens. This is on John Gruden, and whatever the punishment is, it is entirely and exclusively his responsibility. All right, we've got to take a break. We have Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, coming up next here on PFTPM. We do a little face mash. It's okay. some teammates uh, from Do-y-o-ty. the Panthers. Oh, Whoa, gosh, that, man, is, that is a weird that's style. A, that's me and Luke Keith. There you go. Bingo, How did he's you one know for that was one. You? I don't really see you. I mean, first I off, what Luke's can we haircut. fix the mouth there? What the heck is going on there? <laughs> My God, what a year it's been. Last year we had him in person. This year, nobody's in person. But here he is, Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the National Football League, joining us on the program. Christian, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we appreciate you making time for us. We know you're in high demand. Uh, Carolina Panthers, great. uh, Well, I don't want to say great season, obviously, wins, losses, but better than a lot of people have expected. Matt Rule came in and really took things over. Give give me your impression of Matt Rule as a coach and, and where the offense 
has been and where it may be heading? Yeah, I think uh, Coach Rule is awesome. I think uh, from from day one, he set the tempo and the standard of what he wants the, the Panthers organization to be. And um, I think when you had a year where, you know, you have such a young team, uh, there's no OTAs, and, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have a lot of guys, you know, me included, who, you know, are injured and not playing. Um, his ability to maintain that standard and to maintain focus uh, was awesome for, for a first-year coach. And I know he doesn't look at himself as a first-year NFL coach because uh, of the success he's had. But um, it was encouraging just kind of taking myself out of, out of play for a little bit and, and, and watching from the outside to see the growth of our team, the growth of our young guys and have young guys step up and, you know, not only that, but get better as the season goes on. I think it's a testament to, to Coach Rule and his staff of the development that, that I got to see uh, just being able to watch. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to watch, but uh, being able to see guys like Jeremy Chen get better all year, uh, guys like Derek, Derek Brown get better all year and, and, and to see the hunger that, that, you know, even when we knew we weren't going to the playoffs, uh, you know, we had guys who, who never quit. And I think that's the sign of a of a good team when your vets and when your when your young guys are, are, are there for the same reasons. And I think the sign of a true competitor is looking for a positive in every situation. And it sounds like you really embrace that opportunity to study the game from a different perspective. How, how helpful will that be to you when it's time to play again, having the opportunity to take a step back and just kind of absorb and study? Yeah, I think it'll be really helpful. Uh, you know, obviously it, it was tough, you know, especially early on. Um, and, and, and the hard part was kind of one after another, you know, and I'm, I'm a guy who loves playing every snap of the game and, uh, you know, never missed the game until this year. And it was one of those things that, you know, when it rains, it, it pours. So uh, for me, um, you know, I, I, I had to quickly learn to, to be patient and to find positives through negative situations. And uh, being able to watch, especially in game, I think is when I learned the most. Get, being able to see what the coaches are thinking, what guys respond to best, you know, as a leader moving forward, how I can grow in that in that realm of the game, and uh, you know, understanding just the flow of the game in general um, is something that that I think I I took and, and I've never gotten to do. So um, you know, I hope that that you know, and I think also it, it made me a lot hungrier, so to say. You know, I think it took it took me uh, out of out of my realm for a while to understand how much I, I love this game. You know, you kind of get that seven-year-old football love back, uh, you know, when it's taken from you. So, you know, I think it, it ultimately this is something that might add another three, four years to my career. So, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely view it as, you know, although negative in the moment, it will be a positive in the long run. Yeah, I hear you there. That That's the great way to look at it. Yeah, you, you avoided a lot of car crashes this year, so you'll be fresh for a few more years maybe because of it. But I do want to talk about, like, just because people hear high ankle sprain, and then they see, they go, what's the big deal? And then you're this top-level specimen, and they're like, Why, what's taking them so long? Like, tell people a little bit, like, the struggles of dealing with the high ankle sprain and what it does to you at the running back position. Yeah, I think to start, uh, you know, the term high ankle sprain can mean a hundred different things. Right. And, you know, uh, everyone wants to be a doctor when they find out about an injury. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I think, I think it doesn't take, you know, me saying this to, to, for people to understand that sometimes it's not always just what's out there. Uh, there's, there's a lot more going on and it might be a high ankle sprain. It also might be a couple other things that are wrong with it, but that's just kind of what you say to the media. And yeah. you know, I'll, I'll 
transparent. That's probably with every guy's injury in the league. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I wanted to play uh, every game, but, but physically uh, wasn't, couldn't. And, and that's something for me that was hard uh, when your mind's in one place and your body's in another. Um, so, you know, I came back in the Chiefs game and, and my ankle was still a little messed up. You know, I had to tape it up a certain way. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I was good enough to play. And so I played and, and, you know, unfortunately the last series of the game, I separate my shoulder and that's, you know, it's not, it's not what was the plan, you know, it wasn't the plan for me and wasn't the plan for, you know, coach rule and, and coach Brady and all of my teammates. But sometimes that's the way the game goes. You know, and, you know, you got guys who have, you know, structural injuries throughout this whole year. You know, I've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers had to miss a season. You got quarterbacks left and right that miss seasons, uh, you know, and, and at every position, uh, and this just wasn't a year that, that went to plan. So um, sometimes that's just the way it goes, but, but obviously a struggle for me uh, all year, um, but something that I can, I can learn from and I think it'll make me better in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I think it will too, and at least you got the right attitude, man. I mean, I know it was hard watching some of these running backs. I want you to go break down three of them for me. Just the first thought that comes to your head, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, like what jumps out about those three guys that you'd like to have of their game and put it in your game? Oh, I mean, I can, I mean, there's a hundred different times. I mean, all throughout the day, I wish I was six, four, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all my brothers are taller than me. So then I could, you know, I could have that on them. Um, <clears throat> no, but I think when you look at Derrick Henry's game, um, to be able to do what he does at, at such a high level and, uh, you know, obviously you see the big play highlights, but I love watching him. Uh, you know, he has some of the best two, three yard runs in the game where he's breaking tackles in the backfield, stiff arming guys. And you see the highlights, but those to me are the runs that, that matter and keep your offense uh, efficient. And, the, you know, the, his, obviously he's tall, but his ability to fall forward and uh, not lose yards is something that makes him such a great back and keeps him in, in the, you know, efficiency uh, realm. With Dalvin Cook, um, you know, ever since I watched him in high school and obviously at Florida State, but his explosion and his ability to uh, take, you know, plays that might be four or five yards and make him into 60-yard touchdown runs. Um, you know, he has everything you want. He's fast, he's physical, he's quick, uh, he's great balance. And I think with Kamara, you know, he's a guy obviously in the division that I've been able to watch, uh, watch a lot. Right. And, and, you know, for me um, – you know, selfishly, I, t I try to watch him and take a lot of his game and put it into mind. There's different things that he does that, uh, you know, I, I try to do or I'll try to rep in training and um, just a fun guy to watch. You know, I think uh, anytime he has the ball in his hands, no matter what it looks like, uh, you're kind of on the on the edge of your seat waiting for something to happen because he has that ability. So all three guys, different backs. But I think that's what makes, honestly, the running back position so special is. Um, there's so many different shapes and sizes and abilities, uh, and it makes a coordinator's job fun of being able to find ways to get them the ball in the best situation. Your dad, Ed, was a great receiver. You're a great running back. Will you steer your own kids away from the running back position with all the physicalities, Chris says, the car crashes that the position entails? No. Uh, you know, I think uh, for me, I started playing running back when I was seven. My whole life I've been a running back because I wanted the ball. You know, back then, uh, you know, you're, you're seven. The helmets don't even fit. Guys aren't throwing the ball very far, so they're handing it off. And I wanted the ball. So 
Um, I think it's, you know, the most fun position. I think it's, uh, too, there's such a creative aspect to it. You know, you, you have to, it's, a, it's like an art form because it's never the same. You know, the hole's never the same. The route is never the same. It's all reaction and eyes and using your ability to, to, to take what you see and, and make the most of it. And I think that's, uh, that's such a, you know, I mean, I don't want to get artsy, but it is such a beautiful thing when, when that happens. But, you know, it's, it's truly a flow form. You know, you, like I said, it's not just get the ball and cut left. Um, there's so many moving parts that are happening in front of you and being able to take what you see and react at, at, at minuscule seconds is, is, uh, such a cool thing. So, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely think it's, it's one of the best positions in football. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. Now I got to ask you because you got to see both teams this year, you know, the Super Bowl teams, Chiefs, Bucks, like, just, you know, assessment of both defenses and what stood out to you about them. Yeah, playing against Tampa twice a year, um, you know, for the last few years and just that team in general, I think what you see in their defenses is obviously they have, you know, first rounders left and right and, and guys who can play, but um, they play well together and, and they flow to the ball. And I think when you look at them up front, um, they demand so much. And, and so, you know, it allows their, their linebackers to play freely and make plays. And uh, they have, you know, two of the best linebackers in the league on that team. Uh, then they have a great secondary um, who, who flies to the ball too. And they play good team defense. You know, they answer turnovers with turnovers. They answer stops when, when their offense gets, his, gets a touchdown. And, you know, those are the things that you see in, in teams, specifically defenses that, you know, end up help winning games. And I think the same is for the Chiefs. Um, you know, if, if Pat Mahomes and the offense scores, you know, they take pride in getting stops. And, um, you know, the, the, their defenses aren't perfect. But I think that's, the, that's the, the difference between winning and losing teams is playing great team football and, and the defense helping the offense out and the offense helping the defense out. Um, and I think both teams obviously have done that really well throughout the year. Christian's here today on behalf of Ascent Protein. Tell us about it, and specifically, can it help uh, a broken-down middle-aged man like me look like you? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> is one of, the, one of the biggest aspects of my life being an athlete, but also for anyone. So I, I think you'd fit well for sure. Um, but no, it's, uh, you know, putting, putting clean and, uh, you know, non-artificial nutrition and, you know, into my body is something that, that I found helps and works. So, uh, when it comes to recovery, when it comes to training, I think, uh, having no artificial ingredients, no artificial sugars and knowing that what I'm putting in my body is helping me, uh, for my muscle recovery is, is important. Hey, Christian, great stuff as always. Good luck to you. Good luck to the Panthers. And we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Welcome back, and we are honored to be joined now by a Heisman Trophy winner. Devontae, we get plenty of guests, not many Heisman Trophy winners, so it is an extreme pleasure to have Alabama receiver on his way to the NFL as one of the top draft picks, Devontae Smith, on the show. Where's the trophy? Still in Tuscaloosa. Um, how heavy is that thing? It's real heavy, a lot heavier than I thought. 
Wait, so why now, is why is it in Tuscaloosa though? What why why is it there? What's what's it in? Like you mean like the school's holding it for you or you got like a, a, a your dorm? What where is it at? They they holding it for me. Okay. All right. So you will get it back and put it in your house at some point, right? And then you'll put it on display when you get all this new NFL big money. That's the plan. All right, good. One of the things I'm always fascinated by when we're talking to a guy who's just incredibly fast. When did you realize as a kid that you were just faster than everyone else? What was the moment where you were like, holy crap, I'm faster than everyone? Uh, I wouldn't say it was just a moment like that because coming up, I wasn't the fastest person. It kind of just came out of nowhere. So probably my senior year of high school, when it kind of came and I was like, okay, I got some speed with me now. But what, what, is it something that just happened one day? You rolled out of bed and all of a sudden you're faster than everyone else? Uh, track, just running track. And then I ended up on the 4 by one team and I was like, all right, I must be fast if I'm on this. Well, well, all right, like I'm amazed by your speed. And first off, it never looks like you're running full speed. That That's the first thing. And like just like ballpark, I know you don't want to put yourself out there, but if you – if you had to run the 40 next week or whatever, or just have a little time to practice it, like wh- where do you think? What kind of range are we talking about with you, Mr. Heisman? Uh, I say high 4-3, four, low 4-4. Four, four. Okay, right in that range there. What, yeah. would you, are you the fastest guy on the Alabama team? Is there anybody like that you know made you n- nervous if you had to race them in a 40 or 100 or anything like that, or are you the self-proclaimed fastest guy on the team? I say Waddle probably the only one. Waddle's the only one that makes you nervous? Yeah. And, and like, when you guys race, I mean, we're talking dead heat? Because I'm sure some of the workouts and things, you guys run 40s and 50s are part of your workouts. Like, what, break down that race. Does he get you out of the blocks? Do you do you run him down as it goes along? How does that work? Yeah, he'll get me out of the blocks, but I eventually run him down. Hey, Devontae, one of the reasons I love talking to the Alabama guys, you've had – at the college level, an NFL coach for all practical purposes in Nick Saban. Give us your best Nick Saban story. Um, just every day at practice, him just come over trash talking to me, saying he can cover me, he can cover me one-on-one and things like that. And that <laughs> we have every day. What does he do? Does he get up in your face at the line and jam you? And we'll be going over to the next part of practice. And he'll just come in front of me and start backpedaling and be like, yeah, I can cover you any day. <laughs> you, you got so many talented players down there. But I got to ask you, of course, you're a receiver. I mean, you got a quarterback who went in the top five last year. You got a quarterback that sounds like it's going to be a first-round pick this year. Like, kind of tell us about the two, really. Like, some of the differences and the similarities of, of what makes both of those quarterbacks damn good. Uh, both of them are great quarterbacks. Um, I would say just how they look at everything. One of them, he he's um, he's going to go to the film room and he's going to see everything and coming into the game, he's going to know everything you're going to do. And one, the other one, he's just going to come out there and he's going to see it right when it's going to happen and he, he knows where he's going to go with the ball. Gotcha. All right. So, which one was which there? Like, uh, you, 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 so you're saying, like, is two of the guy that is on the field and just going to figure it out and go with the ball, or which one was which there? Yeah, two is going to be the one that's going to go on the field and he's going to figure it out, and Matt's going to be the one that's going to 
watch the film and know before he even gets out there. So one's a computer and the other one's a little bit more of a play backyard style of football. That was that was what you, you know you had to adjust to as far as the quarterback. Yeah, just adapting to each one of them. Everybody plays different, so right. just getting with them and adapting to their play style. Okay, so the biggest stage in college football, the national championship game. You come out with 215 yards and three touchdowns on 12 catches in the first half of the game. When do you know in a moment like that that it's just it's just clicking, this is my night, and I'm just going to dominate these guys on the other side of the line? Um, honestly, it don't. you don't really notice it until you go to the sideline and somebody brings it up, and then that's when it hits you like, Wow, that's what I'm doing. Like when you're in the game, you just locked in. You're not really paying attention to it. Uh, twelve catches. It, it don't even feel like I had twelve catches, but you really don't notice it till somebody on sideline eventually says something about it. And then the injury was such a strange fluke thing. On one hand, it's amazing it doesn't happen more often with all those bodies that are moving around on a football field. But it just like looked like wrong place, wrong time. Fingers hit a guy and. One got bent back, and uh, that that looked like it was awfully damn painful in the moment. Um, honestly, it wasn't painful until we went to the tent and they started pulling on it. When it happened, it didn't really hurt. I just looked at it, and it just looked weird. So I was like, okay, let me go over here and see what they got to say about it. It's got to eat at you a little bit to go like, I mean, I know I had a good day and two hundred over 200 yards, but – you got to be wondering when that game's over, like what would have been if I could have played the whole game. I mean, don't you? Doesn't that bother you a little bit? Um, what bothers me is that what stood out the most to me is that if I caught the ball, I would have never been in that situation. So that's what I think about the most. Is just if I would have caught that pass, my finger wouldn't be like this. Damn, I like you, man. I like you a lot. Look at you self-scouting yourself. That's right. Catch the damn ball. What the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> well, you know the other thing? I, I'm just, I always love to ask this because you're Alabama. It's the SEC. I, you guys are the king of college football, the, the conference, and you guys specifically. Best player you played against in college football. Don't give me any Alabama teammates, buddy love, but the best player you played in your years there uh, at Alabama. Um, I'll probably say Noah from Auburn, the cornerback. Igabanye, the one that got drafted by the Miami Dolphins at the end of the first round. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, that's, that's a good one. I'll take that. What about, what about his game impressed you so much that gave you issues? Um, he just switched everything up. He switched his techniques up. Um, I always kept you guessing. I ain't never play, ever play the same. So it just kind of kept me on my toes, just having to switch things up a lot more. You know, with no scouting combine this year, at least not the normal type of thing with the workouts that, that everyone gets ready for and your pro days coming up at some point down the road. But what do you do now to keep yourself busy? Are you just focused on getting ready for your pro day? Uh, yeah, that just training, rehabbing. Um, that's really just the main thing and just trying to get the pro day uh, as healthy as I can and be ready to do what I can do. Now, the finger, how's that? Is it healing pretty well right now? Everything looking good with it? Yeah, it's doing good. Are, are you going to have one of those like jacked up Tory Holt fingers when you retire or they get it all straightened out so it's going to be fine? Uh, it's going to straighten out. That's good. That's good. I, my, look, I never, I never, I never played football higher than grade school. And look at mine from getting it. I can't show you my middle finger because that'd get us in trouble. But my finger's all screwed up just from 
ha- having a basketball hit it four or five times. So uh, that's good that your finger's going to straighten out because uh, that that's a painful and uh, and potentially ugly injury. Blah blah blah. Tell him to cry you a river, Devontae. Jeez, holy cow! You know, uh, hurt. His I should finger. have straight fingers. Hurt his finger back fingers. in 1924. He's going to tell you about it. Wasn't that long ago? Wasn't that long ago? It's close. It wasn't that long ago. All right, I got to ask you one question about a little of the elephant in the room. And I'm first off, I'm proud of you. I just before before I ask this question, and I hope you don't do it going to the future. But it made news, right? You didn't weigh in at the combine. Oh no, he didn't weigh in. The fastest guy in college football. We don't know how he weighed. You know, just go like what what was your decision in that and what are you going to do going forward? I mean, I just came out of season. I really ain't had time to train. So right. Waiting to my pro day just to do something like that. Just felt like that was the best thing for me to do. Yeah, good for you. And keep doing that. Don't let them pressure you into you they can you can always stand by, hey, look at the film. You know how much I weighed there? I don't know, but I scored a touchdown. And they'll they'll buy that. You'll be all right. Other last last thing for me, at least, just because I love to hear this too, and I know you gotta talk about some auto trader, but I know you're a fan. Who's Who's the guy you're most excited to see in person when you get in the NFL and get on an NFL playing field? Uh, Devontae Adams. Oh. The other Devontae. From now on, if you misspell my name, make sure it's Devontae because he's that boy. Damn, he was giving you love. Uh, That's pretty cool. So you respect his game in a lot of ways. Yes, sir. And I want to go back to the weight thing because I also respect what you did there. You know, my response in a situation like that, if you got a concern about how tall I am, how heavy I am, don't draft me. Let somebody else draft me. Let somebody from your division draft me instead if you got any issues with me because I've shown you what I can do. It doesn't matter how big I am. It doesn't matter how much I weigh. I've shown everyone what I can do, so don't draft me, and then you'll have to deal with me on the opposing team. Uh, it's, it's all God's plan. I mean, I can't control what people think, so if that's what they want to do, just let them do it and um, just control what I control. I mean, when I get the opportunity to do what I do, just make the most of my opportunity. All right, tell us what you have going on with Auto Trader, Devontae. Uh, Auto Trader is the go-to source when car shopping, and with everything going on with me training and me rehabbing, um, I'm real busy, so they make purchasing a car a whole lot easier, and that's probably going to be my first big purchase is getting the car, so them helping me out makes things a whole lot easier on me. Oh, baby, auto trader. Oh, man, Mike Florio, he's got that new money, too. What kind of car are we going to get there, Mr. <laughs> Heisman, new money, auto trader? Where are we looking at? <laughs> What's that? Say that again. G-Wagon. Oh, you're going to get the G-Wagon. Look at you, big pimping in the G-Wagon. Okay, I like it. I can get behind that. Good thing you're going to be a first-round pick because you'll be able to afford it now. <laughs> hey, hey, Devontae, eventually you'll have a Rolls-Royce-like Sims. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're better than me, and I don't have one. So get that Rolls-Royce so I can live vicariously through you, man. Keep going. You're awesome. We enjoy watching you play, dude. Hey, Devontae, congratulations on everything you've done and all the best as the draft approaches. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you. Joining us now, longtime member of the Minnesota Vikings defense, heart and soul of that unit, he's Eric Kendricks. Eric, welcome back. How are you, pal? Good, how are you? Doing great. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. You know, that defense this year – 
I mean, we get spoiled because it's been so dominant. And we saw the difference when you weren't available. As you get a chance to reflect on the year, where is that defense right now? And, and where do you think it, it needs to go from here? Uh, you know, it's got to be better, you know, um, first and foremost. But uh, for the most part, you know, we start a new season this, this next year. And that's how I feel. You know, I'm restarting, um, obviously, in the offseason right now. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we every every team's going to be different. You know, teams are going to have coaches that leave. Teams are going to have new new people on the staff. We're going to have rookies. You know, we're going to have rookies that are now this, their, their second year. So, um, you know, with that being said, you know, it's always going to be a new field. It's always going to be a new um, learning experience. So I'm open to it. I'm, I'm excited. And it was such a strange season. We were talking to uh, Justin Jefferson earlier today about playing home games with no one there. Did you ever adjust to that reality of going out into that beautiful stadium that has such a great home field advantage for the Vikings and there's no one there? Yeah, you know, Justin never got to experience that, you know, um, but, you know, hopefully soon. But, uh, yeah, you know, I never really got used to it. You know, we did get used to it. We did get used to playing, but it's just there's something missing, you know what I mean? And it, uh, you can't you can't ignore it, um, especially, you know, when, when we're home. It's, it's clear advantage, like you said. Uh, for the defense. He had that experience at LSU where they had 100,000 people there generating the noise, and he said it, it just was difficult to develop energy, and he thinks that's one of the reasons why the team had a slow start, one and five, just couldn't get it going for the home games. Did you share that same same belief that it took a while to get the team going this year because of that adjustment that you had to make? Oh, definitely. You know, um, energy is a, is, a, is a big thing, you know, especially on the sideline. And uh, you have guys like Justin Jefferson who are um, self-starters. You know, you don't. You know, some people need a lot of you know fan energy. Some people need a lot of their teammates' energy, things like that. But um, it was important to find that 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 energy within yourself um, at the beginning of every game and um, show with Justin for sure. You know, the flip side of it too, though. Despite the rough start, there was an impressive stretch where the Vikings willed their way back into playoff contention. What do you think the catalyst for that was? Um, just how we worked every day. You know, we were we we weren't we weren't um, obviously winning at the beginning of the season, but um, um, our hard work day in and day out definitely. You know, it, it didn't go unnoticed in, the, in that stretch of wins because everybody was trying to do the right things. You know, everybody was showing up on time. Everybody was working hard, and um, everybody was um, holding each other accountable in a sense too. But uh, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't working for us. But um, we started getting that that stretch of wins, and it, and it felt good. How has your coach Mike Zimmer evolved over the years that you've played for him? Um, just just from when I started playing, you know, we we've had we had different personnel on defense, especially, and um, offense has changed throughout the course of, of uh, you know the league uh, every year. So you know, we just had to make little adjustments as far as our defense and things like that concern. Um, but we just had to do them fast, and we had to learn week by week because each team is bringing a new challenge. Yeah, one of the challenges for the Vikings, new offensive coordinators all the time, for whatever reason, it was Kevin Stefanski leaving to become coach of the Browns. Now it's Gary Kubiak retiring. I, you know, that, that's, does, does that put pressure on the defense when the offense is kind of like, I, I don't want to say in flux, but it feels like that's the, the situation. When you've got a new coordinator, four in four years, it's got to feel like the offense is in flux. Um, I just feel like the defense should always feel a little pressure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, obviously, offense is one thing. We can, I can't worry about that. You know, I got to do my thing on defense, and um, we got to stop uh, these offenses from scoring points, and, and they're doing it in major ways, you know, especially, uh, 
you know, with with uh, high powered offenses like Green Bay in our league, you know, we gotta we gotta buckle down and 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 keep those points low. I mentioned Justin Jefferson earlier. What was your impression of him on the field in practice? Uh, he's a dog. He's a straight baller. Um, yeah, you know, like I say, he's self starter. He came in and he he knew what he wanted to do and he went out and did it. And he, you know, he had that confidence. He had that swagger. Um, and he obviously worked for it. Young receiver, young secondary as well. How have you seen the defensive backs, specifically the corners, grow this season? Man, it's a lot of it's a lot of learning. You know, it's a lot of uh, communication, and it's just the little the little nuances, the little details you learn from just getting snaps under your belt that uh, that that propel you to the next level. It's a huge difference too, not having Daniel Hunter. He was developing into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Had that that neck injury that just was kind of there, and then the next thing you know, he's shut down for the season. Have you been in touch with him? And is he good to go for this year? Um, definitely been in touch with him. I'm I'm not going to speak on his behalf of, of what, what's what's his health condition, but yeah, you know, just talking about him and his mental health, and he's doing well. And um, yeah, you know, I, I was uh, talking to him the other day actually. This Vikings team has settled into a cycle where it's playoffs one year, no playoffs the next year. Playoffs, no playoffs. How do you break that cycle? Man, I don't know. We got to we gotta just work. I mean, I only know one thing to do, really. And like you said, you know, it, it, it has been a little bit up and down since I've been there. And um, you got to be more consistent for sure. Justin said that he was surprised that the Buccaneers went into Green Bay and beat the Packers to earn the spot in the Super Bowl. Were you surprised that the Bucs got it done at Lambeau Field? Um, you know, it was a hard game, but I feel like they beat up earlier in the season. You know, sometimes people just got uh, the other person's number. Um, anybody can win any day of this league. You know, it comes down to really a few plays when you look at the film always, you know, explosives or turnovers, things like that. So um, am I surprised? You know, no. You know, did I think that was going to happen? You know, no. Yeah, you guys didn't see Patrick Mahomes last year. He was injured during the game at uh, Arrowhead Stadium. It was Matt Moore instead. But what, what's just the talk among your, your teammates when they see what Mahomes can do? And he just seems so different than any other quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, he just keeps his eyes downfield, and then he just he just shuffles around so effortlessly. It's kind of – Annoying to watch as a defender, honestly, but uh, it, it's cool at the same time. You know, um, he's definitely he's definitely um, balling. Your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, has been there three years now. Year four is coming up. Where do you think he stands by way of getting enough credit? Does he get enough credit? Is he criticized too much? What's your read on how outsiders view him? Man, everybody loves to hate him, man. I just, I, I felt like that since, since he got here, you know, um, uh, since, since he's been in the league, really. But, um, you know, he, he played well for us this, this past year. You know, he's a leader on our team, shows up every day, a good guy. Who are the leaders right now on the defensive side of the ball? Obviously, you're one of them. Who else provides that voice to get everyone going? Man, we got, uh, we got Anthony Harris. We got Harrison Smith. We got Daniel. I mean, we had a couple injuries, but I would normally say Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr. Um, and some of those guys, you know, they don't really lead by, you know, vocally, so to speak. But, you know, their actions and their intentions and, and just the way they carry themselves around the locker room, you know, it's just it's contagious and it builds a, builds a culture. Eric, I'm going to admit in advance, I can't recall whether or not you played in the Buccaneers game. Were you were you available for that one? I was not. Yeah, I didn't think so. But but you were around for the preparation. I mean, what's the focal point of a defense 
as it's getting ready to deal with Tom Brady and the weapons he has at his disposal? Um, just know where they're lined up at. You know, um, know, know, know what number of receivers which. You know, they got they got Mike Evans. You know, at inside receiver. You know, at three. You know, it might be going to him. You know, like it's just just things like that. Obviously, the run game is going to be pretty simple downhill. Um, get the ball in the hands. Be physical run game. Um, but yeah, you know, just just know know where their weapons are on the field and know you know splits three by one, two by two things like that, and you, you'll be all right. You became the Vikings' Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year nominee for good reason. You were front and center with efforts by the players to get the NFL to to make advances when it comes to social justice. What, what progress did you see throughout the course of the year, and what would you like to see the league do moving forward? Man, just keep keep everyone uh, keep banding together to, you know, create this positive change, you know, um, there's just so much we, we, we still need to learn um, collectively as well as individually and just keep that quest. The, the pandemic seemed to throw everything off, too. How strange was it this year? And did you get used to going into the team facility and all the measures? All, and it worked. It paid off. I, the NFL ultimately didn't miss a game. But, but was it was it harder to do your job with all the things that you needed to do in the facility while traveling, just the different and, and the many disruptions to your routine? Um, it was definitely definitely adjustments. You know, we had to be made um, mental, physical, um, just protocol that you had to go through. You know, obviously. But um, at the end of the day, I, I think looking back at it, you know, I was just I really felt blessed that I was able to go out there and play football and um, and and be safe doing it. Well, Eric, I mentioned that cycle earlier. Under that cycle, this is a playoff year, so I hope the cycle holds for this year, and then you break it after 2021 and you get to the playoffs two straight years that's the year to break it not this year this year and not get to the playoffs you want to you want to break it next year and get to the playoffs two straight years there's no there's no future in the past and i gotta just move it move forward well we wish you all the best congratulations on being nominated for the walter payton nfl man of the year award and we appreciate everything you've done to make your teammates coaches and everyone in the nfl sensitive to the challenges of social justice and we wish you all the best in the future eric Appreciate it. Take care.